Welcome to Drive Performance. My name is Tom Shea. I'm the co-founder of Agile Media Group. I'm joined by Jake Carls from Midday Squares and Mackenzie Colony from Endeavor WME. Uh, Jake Carls runs Midday Squares. It's the world's first functional chocolate bar. Think the intersection of protein bar and a chocolate bar, but minus all the junk. Mm. Trying to disrupt the $140 billion chocolate industry through amazing Not products, bad. a great <laughs> team, bad. and being unapologetically themselves. And Mackenzie Colony uh, is at Talent Ventures at Endeavor. Talent Ventures is a vertical within Endeavor WME, the global entertainment company representing some of the most popular athletes, actors, musicians, and models in the world. It sources, evaluates, and structures non-traditional partnership opportunities with disrupted consumer brands platforms. Guys, welcome to the Driving Performance. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm fired up. This is a perfect, this is a perfect crew together. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're interested in that world, you know? It's Intentional like, pairing. Yeah, smart. Thank, really. thank you, thank yeah. you. I see what you're doing here. Yeah. And you have a fresh haircut, so you Thanks, look pretty good. <laughs> well, I'm covering it up with the hat. <laughs> but um, guys, so there's gonna be a lot of audio listeners. This is a pretty weird format. Uh, why don't you guys try your best to explain what the hell is happening right now? You want to hit it, Kenzie? Oh, gosh. All right. So we are on Fifth Avenue, heart of New York City, in a truck. Glass truck. Glass <laughs> on both sides. Um, people walking behind us. Got a really impressive production you, team. Um, and most importantly, some Midday Squares next to us. Running exclusively on Midday Squares. <laughs> we're, we're actually selling it out of the truck. Guys. Yeah. So like, you know, like there's no retailers here, so we're selling it out of the truck. Um, but it's freezing in here, no offense. I'll go Montreal, no, but here's the difference. When you don't expect it to be cold and then you're yes. in cold, it, it hits. Like my hands are like yeah. freezing. It's like autoimmune. Keep stuff. them out of frame. It is yeah, cold. Yeah, it is cold, it but is that's cold. all right. But we're killing it. It's good vibes, good, good conversation. It's like kind of cool. I've never been in a truck that's glass that it can see through. It'd be kind of cool if you were moving and yeah. grooving, but uh, hard in New York City. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, one, I start this same question off for everyone. Do you guys know each other? How do you guys know each other? Is there a story there? Or could you guys just take us through your relationship? If one what it is. Yeah, so we met 10 minutes ago, which is great. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I actually have been a fan of Midday Squares for a while. Um, I'm a big chocolate person, and I'm like, you know, don't don't put it in front of me. I don't need it. I shouldn't eat it. But the ingredients are amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's perfect 3 p.m. snack. Well, cool. Well, we met in a sprinter van. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Warming yeah. up together. You're gonna talk more yeah. about the meeting. Guys. And you have a cool <laughs> accent. You have a cool accent. Really? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like New York or New Jersey. I don't know. Like it's one of those. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, I, love I never it. heard that. Yeah, I call it Canada. I guess a little different. But yeah, um, yeah no, and I've heard a lot about what they do and. Um, yeah, it's very it's very interesting. I think that it's a lot of like interesting CPG meeting that world of talent yeah. is right. extremely important. So I'm excited to chat with you today and obviously with Tom too. We, we know each other for about a year and a half now. Yeah, for you know, sure. We met a Nosh event, right? I think that's right, yeah. We fired it up there. And Expo, Expo, Expo East yeah. with the claw. Oh my, the claw, how good <laughs> I'll is that? I'll make sure we, we, we have to plug that claw. And then we'll just we got a fine from that, we got a fine. <laughs> a fine? Yeah, we, because you know, that's Expo East is a big, uh, it's a big trade show. Yeah, and, of course. And product didn't show, yeah. it didn't ship, it got stuck at customs, and we're like, hey, what do we do? So we went to like Target and we bought out like a bunch of like plushies, like toys, like as much midday squares as we could, and we rented a claw machine to give the entertainment factor, because we had a booth that was a big booth. <laughs> you did a claw Like, you know, like, you know like, like those like, like, like Dating like, Buster uh, claws? Yeah, Toy Story, the claw. Yeah. That's hilarious. I put, cash. I put like ones, I put like 100 ones, and then I'm like, oh, there's cash prize, and people come, we put GoPros around, the whole thing made a production, and like basically, it was the whole thing, but then they got mad because, once we were done on Saturday, we, we had to like leave the claw machine there and we left the booth and they were like, this is a no-go. You cannot do that. And they gave us a nice little fine. I love it. But it was worth the hype. It was, it was yeah, fun. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you remembered the claw, so yeah. that's all that matters. We actually got one massive retailer from the claw there specifically. We, none of us were there and the GoPros were on and it was the airports, you know, Chibo Express. Yeah. Yes. So we, st we made a deal with them because of that. They're like, that claw was so epic. Like you guys are creative. And we're like, okay, cool. There we go. That was worth every penny. So there 100 airports go. later. Um, and a claw machine. Yeah, and some virality. It's uh, turning a shitty situation into something positive, which, which we love. So um, I want to give you guys a breakdown. We're obviously in a truck, so there's a few different stops along this route. Stop one is going to be origin stories. Stop two is going to be specific questions that we prepared for each of you. Step three, or stop three, is going to be um, intersection questions, so things that you guys might have different perspectives on, the same perspectives on, but uniquely at the cross-section of your guys' backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Stop four is going to be a game called The Hot Box, uh, a little tongue-in-cheek, this-or-that-style game modeled off the hot seat. And then stop five is going to be the wrap and the, the end of this route. So 
We're going to dive into it, and uh, Jake, I'd sort of like to start with you. Um, you've a really storied past. Uh, this isn't your first venture, your first go on entrepreneurship. So I'd love to just start at the top and uh, all the formidable experiences that made Jake Carls. I think the most important formal experience is that I was a class clown in high school, and I did really bad. Like, I almost failed and didn't graduate. I think that <laughs> was the defining moment that I understood that I loved people. And I didn't care for the academics, unfortunately. And actually, fortunately, because it, it became who I was. But then I started to study, like, seriously. I was like, I got to be like everyone else. And I tried to be an actuary. And after that, realizing that the actuary was not for me, and I was doing it for my, my parents and my friends, and just prove to people that I actually am smart, because I thought that that was my worth. Right. I ended up launching a fitness business, because I loved fitness, because that was my, like, control of life. I felt comfortable that I was able to work out and grow, like, my muscles at the time. I looked like it was on steroids, but it wasn't, because <laughs> I was so obsessed with it, that I ended up doing an outdoor boot camp business and like similar like a Barry's boot camp but outside yeah. in Montreal. That feels like personality fit. Oh hello. I use Snapchat. You, I was like no shirt <laughs> off all day. Like I use a big speaker. All I did was I had a big speaker. I used like cones outside my parents' house in their driveway. And everyone had like these great jobs in the summer and I was doing this and I was basically charging people five dollars like a class and I would get like thirty people. Then it would like be like ten dollars class, I get twenty five people. And in the end, I ended up having 180 clients, 160, 180 clients, and I was Whoa. making like 40 to 50 thousand dollars cash a summer after tax. What type of workout was this? Oh, you know, yeah, shirt off, blasting music shirt outdoors. Off, we're, we're gonna have to have a separate uh, day with this van where shirt you're off? just doing. No, you're I'm just, not as jacked anymore. But like, <laughs> you're doing a, a, a moving uh, it was like dance cool, party. It was like those like dance parties. But like the cool part about the business was I used storytelling. I used Snapchat yeah. at the time to build the hype. So people are like, I want to be outside because Montreal is so cold during the summer, the winter that being like spring to the, to the end was so fun to be outside. So I had all these people and I'd use it in the neighborhood. So everyone in the neighborhood saw people doing it. They're like, oh, yeah. I want to do what they're doing. So that I did that for three years, success. Did very well financially. Um, but when you lose passion for something, you just want to give it up. And I stopped liking fitness. And I was like, this sounded like a therapy session now, like when I was with these people. And I was like, I don't enjoy what I'm doing anymore. Mm -hmm. So I closed the business. And I launched a clothing business on college campuses. And I wanted to get back on college campuses to have fun and party. So I'd throw these big parties and then sell them the clothing after. So it'd be like a big hype fest. But I used right. Instagram at the time to blow it up. And it worked. But I didn't know how to run a business. So it ended up failing. I lost like $82,000, went bankrupt on that business, and my a lot ego of was shot. Uh, of doing boot yeah, camp. <laughs> yeah, the boot camp. Was, no, but the good thing I put it in CN Railway, my stock. I put my money from that into CN Railway and, and a little bit into this business. <laughs> Did well, the CN Railway stock blew up. Go. But yeah, good lesson invest in good companies. But, um, yeah, that clothing business I did for two and a half years, and it ended up like, I looked like a hero from the way the brand looked, but in the end, behind the scenes, the business was actually a mess. It was a lemon, and right. um, my ego was shot. I was like, I don't know if I want to continue doing this. After five years of entrepreneurship, I was like, I think it's time for me to just take an easier path or a path that I could like find my way through. Yeah. And then my sister and my brother-in-law came up to me and they're like, hey, we have a chocolate bar. Um, we just developed over the last eight months. It's it's something that's really good. It's basically the the, the combination of a protein bar and a chocolate bar, but focused on chocolate, dark yeah. chocolate indulgence. And they're like, do you want to be our third, our third partner? And I was like, hell no, I'm allergic to nuts and peanuts, first of all, <laughs> so I can't even eat my products. <laughs> I said, well, I'm a guy that needs to be out there with people. How can manufacturing chocolate be a thing? And they're like, no, but well, you're gonna basically make the noise, the business, so we need you to just do exactly what you were doing previously, but with an operating engine behind you. And so I decided to join August 4th, 2018. We launched the company um, in our condo kitchen. And my whole idea was tell a great story to build an emotional connection with consumers and build CPG more like cosmetics and entertainment rather than food and beverage, typically in the boring grocery store, in my right. opinion. And that's how my entrepreneurship journey, and four and a half years later, we're still going. So yeah. haven't failed yet. Still but in the ring. Still swinging. Yeah. <laughs> and Gotta hit that home run, right? <laughs> At least one. And so um, you joined, you joined as the CMO, right? Yeah. But functionally, uh, I feel like you learned something about that, and, and now you're the rover turned rainmaker. Yeah. So talk, about, talk to us about that evolution and sort of just like finding your place. I think, I think society puts some pressure on if you're an owner of a company, you need to have a management role. So when I came in, I was like, oh, I have to have this title of a CMO because right. my partners were co-CEOing, right? So I was like, I need that, that, that to show people. And I was like, hey, I tried to do it. I tried to manage them from our team and everything fell apart. Everything was a disaster. And I realized like, wow, I'm the problem. I'm not a good manager. That's a weakness of mine. I'm not good at that aspect. So what I did is I stepped back after six, six months, therapy and all this stuff. And I realized that 
I don't need to be that. I could do my own thing. I gotta play to my strength. Even if I'm managed by somebody, it means nothing. Right. I'm, I gotta play to my, what I'm good at, not what I'm bad at. And that's when I moved into a delivery boy. It was called delivery boy first, because I would hand deliver the product. <laughs> I would be a distributor. Yeah. I would take my, my, I had a Jeep Wrangler. I would take it, load it up with product, go meet the retailer, go become friends with them, build the relationship, dance with them, take good content. And I would do that every day from like 7 a.m. to like 6 p.m. Then we'd go hand deliver products to consumers. And I loved that. Even though I was the third owner of the business, I was a delivery guy. Right. <laughs> Killed it, FedEx, the whole nine yards. Um, but then that kind of, as we grew, I had to roll into other positions. And I started rovering around helping different departments. So I'd help the sales team because I had the relationship. I would help the finance team because I'd meet people on, on in, in different finance roles. And I was like, wow, I'm doing different things. But I'm also getting the way of people's businesses because think about it, if I'm not part of their team, but I'm helping and doing things, it might aggravate or like, you know, create this like weird tension. So then I moved into this role where I was like, wow, I'm not a rover, I'm a rainmaker. So if I just independently work from the business, that so I work on my own schedule, my own time, and focus on building relationships genuinely that don't have agendas, right. eventually those relationships will be needed. So like when we had Target, when we're going to Target, I became friends with the buyers for such a long time previous. Mm -hmm. So when the time was right, I said to my sales team, hey, these are my, this is my cronies, these are my friends. I'm like, are you guys ready? And they're like, yeah, we're ready. I'm like, okay, here you go. Take the relationship. I don't want anything to do with the transaction. And right. that's where my role became is no transaction, just relationship building. And when the time's right, from finance, journalism, retail, and that way I don't get, I don't get involved, I don't get in the way of people. And um, I think every business should have a rainmaker, but has to be independent from operations. It can't yeah. be part of the operation. Yeah. yeah, and I love the egolessness of all of that. Um, I think you're absolutely right. Where like, if you own the company functioning, you think you're supposed to like, you know, steer the entire ship all times, every time. And um, you know, I remember reading about you with the, you know, the hand deliver, hand delivering the orders, and meeting all these people. And obviously, you're such a good community builder. Um, so it makes sense that you're able to activate those networks to to move the business forward. So. Yeah, and I had a nervous breakdown last month, and my therapist said, I lost my why. I was doing a lot for like crowds and virality. I was, I was getting a lot of attention and mm -hmm. stuff like that, and I kind of, the ego actually started getting in the way mm. again from like what it was day one. Right. And he actually redefined with me my role, because I was like, the Rainmaker's great, but then I was like, I'm all about energy and positivity and like building relationships and momentum. So like, I want to be energy. I want to yeah. be the energy of the company. Totally. Like, how can I just bring the positivity? Because building a business, is not it's just slow. flowers and glory. Yeah. You yeah, see it, you know, you've hard. seen it. It's hard. And like there's hardships and there's drama and there's there's negativity a lot of the time. So if no one's bringing that shine that like ray of sunshine or that light, then what's the point of the whole journey, right? Totally. Like yeah. if you don't feel any fulfillment or energy or 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 like I'd say like positivity, like what are you gonna just beat the nail the whole time and like totally. you'll go crazy, right? Yeah. So yeah. I kind of wanna do that now. Yeah, like I get to see and see I'm in New York City right now. We're my, my team's in Montreal and it's freezing and it's cold and it's it's a little <laughs> gloomy. I gotta bring them that excitement from today. Like, you right. know, show them the fun that we had, the people I met, and like that's where I really wanna go. And again, you know, I don't think you need a defined role in yeah. any business. I think people put the rigidity in the structure, but I think that that just creates a wall or a, or like a uh, cage for to block creativity and block people from being themselves. Yeah, yeah. And when we, it's a big we, problem. When we've hired for roles, we're always, we're always like, you know, we do have a need, but keep identifying like what what do you find pleasure from? Because we'll figure out the other parts. We'll find people that like the things you don't like, and we can re sort of just you know this title is sort of like an amorphous concept in my opinion. Yeah. But um, Mac, I want to get to you. Um, so want to start with. It's sort of the origin story and everything that got you to WME Endeavor. And then Great. I think for people who aren't familiar with um, Talent Ventures or WME Endeavor, so yeah. like their origin story of yeah, how they yeah, came yeah, together. Let's so let's do it. Great. Um, so I graduated from college and all the smart kids were going into investment banking and I wanted to afford to live in the city. So I'm like, you know, sure, let me do that. Ended up in that job and it wasn't for me uh, for a lot of reasons and started looking for new things. And honestly, at that point, it was like, I will take what I can get. Right. I ended up on Endeavor's M&A team, M&A Investments, which was like a natural trans transition from my last job. Um, and Endeavor, for those that don't know, to answer your second question a little bit, it's a global media and entertainment company. So really acquisitive, you know, tons of different assets within that realm. I would say the heart of the culture of the business, probably not from like a P&L perspective, but the culture, is these, this agency business, which is WME, IMG, and then some smaller niche agencies as well. Right. 
well. But it's really thousands of actors, athletes, musicians, models that are on our roster. And we are, you know, their representatives. So I was on the Endeavor M&A team and two colleagues of mine currently on the Talent Ventures team, they started ideating around, you know, how can we help clients and help agents structure these equity for services partnerships. They were... Was that push or pull too? Like, was that a request by the people that the team was managing? Or was it something that you guys like, hey, there's like a really huge opportunity here and there could be some really great cultural fits? Yeah, so it's a great question. I think there were, it was a little bit of both. I would say that the agents were seeing these offers come in for clients that included equity as a form of compensation. Right. And they were turning to our team who are like these quote finance nerds, like how do I think of, you know, how do I right. think about this? Um, how do I know like what this is going to be worth? So we were helping them like as side jobs almost along the way had helped structure the Ryan Reynolds Aviation Partnership which proved to be tremendous yeah tremendous Great. success Great. So he's amazing I mean that's like he's the OG. amazing like that kicked yeah. it all off yeah, yeah. that made, that, that, that made noise that was like boom yeah, yeah. um so that guy's also savage I mean he's in so many different things. He's incredible. Yeah. I mean, look at Mint Mobile now. I know. It's ama he's he just, amazing. He gets it. He gets it. And yeah. his team who works with him also gets right. it. Because gets it. Yeah. That was a great deal. And he, 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 he I find him a machine. Like this yeah. guy all over the place. He's, yeah. Yeah. he's in a lot of things. And he's good vibes. Yeah. And he's like, good husband. He's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, can so we get him here today? Can we get him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on. I mean, you, you probably have his number. <laughs> it's I, private information. Uh, yeah, and I don't. Um, so I think at that point, a lot of you know Ryan's peers and like celebrities on our roster, they were saying, you know, how do I become the next Ryan? And then it became, you know, really a not a trend, but kind of this this push of brands looking to use talent in a different way, a way that's more entrepreneurial and less transactional. Right. Um, and we had already started kind of doing that. So we broke off from the M&A team and launched what we call Talent Ventures. And we you know, exclusively focus on structuring these quote, non-traditional partnerships. Not all of them need to look like Ryan Reynolds and Aviation Gin. There's you know, a million ways to skin the cat. You know, you can look at attaching talent to a brand just to hit like a single goal that might be there for right. for that year. You can look at having talent attach and be a true co-founder of that business. And there's a bunch of things in between that. So, you know, we've helped Gal Gadot launch Goodles, um, which has been tremendous in kind of breaking through the mac and cheese industry and better for you. Uh, Bella Hadid and Can You Force is another really large one. Right. But also on you know that kind of smaller side is the Camila Cabellos and the Olipops of the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know we've helped clients do smaller clothing collaborations with brands like Andy Swim. Okay. Um, so all across CPG mostly. Yeah, Eva's uh, on the show. Eva, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's amazing. <laughs> She's so the best. We helped you know Dakota. Johnson and Maude and Eva, uh, for the listeners who will see that as well. Yeah. Um, but it's great. It's a really fun gig and it's an awesome place to be and really exciting. Yeah. And so is that something you actively like sought out? Was that always something you're interested in, like the intersection of talent? Or is that something that sort of fortuitously was a function of that path? Yeah. So I've always been obsessed with, honestly, like celebrity influencers. Right. Like, I was the girl that my friends would go to, and be like, who's this? You know, who's right, this right, woman? Right. Who's this guy? And I knew everyone. You um, were like, a, you were like the news. Yeah, <laughs> no, the, I the, mean, in a good way. Yeah, I, yeah like the uh, wannabe TMZ. Almost. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> But then I went into, I didn't see a path that was like lucrative enough for me to live a life that I wanted to do just because I was young and totally. I, you know, I'd figure, I figure if I want to do something, maybe it'll be down the line. Um, and then this kind of fell into my lap and anyone who knows me well, is like, this is your, this is your perfect job. <laughs> um, so it's great. So you mean to tell me that I can integrate my shop with you in less than a minute. You store all my inventory across your 50 plus fulfillment centers in the US, Canada, UK, Europe, and Australia, and then fulfill all of my orders globally with over a 99% order accuracy rate. That's right. We do that for over 7,000 brands today. And you can do that for all my D2C, B2B, and Amazon orders? Yep. And when my next TikTok video goes viral or during the holiday rush, you can grow with me forever? Yes, again. Dang. That's the ship, Bob. Check out ShipBob at ShipBob.com to unlock your fulfillment provider that acts as your personal chief supply chain officer. All right, so stop two. I prepared some questions that were sort of specific um, to our guests, so I wanted to ask them of each of you. And Mackenzie, I want to start with you. And I really want to talk about this concept or, or the differences between 
the concept of creator versus celebrity. And in your mind, do you think they're one and the same, or do they have discrete pros and cons? Um, and as you think about partnerships, like maybe the differences as people think through, should it be with the creator, should it be with a celebrity, things like that? Yeah, um, great question. So I think as you think about them as like separate entities. So, so for one, my feeling is, you know, anyone can be a creator. You know, not to the highest level, but anyone, anyone can do that. Not everyone can be a celebrity and build a platform that is large enough to build a brand or sustain a brand. I think where the marriage happens between creator and celebrity is really when you find a brand or a product or a mission that is authentic to you know, that celebrity's values and they, that naturally taps into their creator side you know, because they are living this brand day in, day out and they truly believe in it. So I think our job at Talent Ventures is to find where is that intersection between celebrity and creator. What are the brands and products that we can put a certain celebrity with such such that they will naturally become a creator. You know, I would say most of these people have been marketing themselves since they were five years old, like right. going to auditions, you know, going to different casting calls. They're amazing at it. So right. when you find that that brand that aligns with who they are, it, you know, the the outcome is amazing. Yeah, awesome. And so Jake, I got a question for you. Um, as you know, this this game is sort of a slog, and you know you're one of the most high energy people. Yeah. We talked about it a lot, but you know you look at the content engine that is Midday Squares. I mean, you guys have tens of thousands of videos at this point, and to be honest, like speaking personally, there's some days where I wake up, we're like, I don't, I really don't want to fucking do this. Um, and so my question for you is really like, where do you draw inspiration from? How do you reignite the spark um, to just like I don't know, continue to get through it and have that like always on persona? Yeah, I think I think two things. So I think when we started, um, you know, there's forty thousand products in a, in a supermarket. If you go to the larger supermarkets, that's a lot of different products to differentiate from, and there's limited space. So you get removed if you're not performing. If you're not hitting your velocities, you're out after a couple months. The buyer doesn't. The buyer needs to switch that because they need to hit their numbers, right? right. So when I, I I told my partner, I said, "You guys have a great chocolate bar. It's delicious." I was able to try the first one, and I said we need to figure a way to get the consumer to come into the store being pulled in rather than pushed through and want to buy our product in this flood of other products. And what I told them was I said, if we create a story that's relevant in terms of relatability right. to the consumer and bring them along the journey with us, they will feel attached to us. And that way when they go to the grocery store, they don't see 40,000 products. They're looking for our product and when they see it, they feel something. I like to give the example of Starbucks. People go to Starbucks and spend four bucks on a, sometimes five, six, whatever, totally. on a product, but they have New an York, emotional it's connection. Like, it's like seven. Seven <laughs> bucks, yeah. Well, we're in the heart of New York City. Perfect. <laughs> uh, rent is higher, right? So, right. But people feel this, mo like they feel something when they walk out with it. There's this moment of their day. It's a feeling. So they've done a great job telling that story. I'm wearing a pair of Nike pants right now. Um, I wear Nike because of the story that they've told for 40 years about the underdog, the mo motivation. It makes me yeah. feel like that type of energy. For Midday Squares, it was like, how do we marry the idea, and excuse me for saying this, but keeping with the Kardashians, Shark Tank, and then a little bit of Elon Musk. And what I mean by mm. each one of those is Kardashians in terms of family drama, not the posh life, but my partners and I are family. Right. So there's automatically tension and drama within that, especially putting them as a business yeah. too. Second Shark Tank is Shark Tank's been a popular show because people want to know more about the entrepreneurship. They want to know about the journey. They don't just want to know, hey, right. I'm selling a clothing piece or I'm selling a chocolate bar yeah. or I'm selling a broom. A they want to know the story. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was on fire. So I said, it's almost like chef, entrepreneurs were becoming like what chefs were in like 2005 with like all those shows coming out. Right. So I said, if we take that and we just show the behind the scenes, the curtain of what it looks like to actually build a business, so like really showing people like what raising money looks like, what manufacturing looks like, what mm -hmm. what hiring looks like, everything that people don't get to see on a regular because people are scared to show it, we show that. And then the idea of Elon Musk was his following was growing, not because of just Tesla and stuff like that, but because he is unapologetically himself. People either love or hate him, which is fine. Totally. So it's a 50-50. Yeah. But you'd rather be 50-50 than 100. And I'll tell you why 100 never works, because you cannot please the whole world. It's impossible. Right. We are all built differently. We have different cultures. We have different views. We have different opinions. Yeah, if you, so, don't, have, like, if you don't have haters, enemies, whatever, you didn't, you've never stood for something. You need yeah. an identity. And I'm not saying get involved in politics and all that stuff. I'm saying be yourself and be prou pr proudful, pr pr have pride in who you are. So right. when I told my partner, I said, if we just act 
ourselves, the three of us, we're very different characters. My sister is a badass CEO. She built the factory. My brother-in-law is a software engineer. He's very nerdy. Mm -hmm. And I'm a hype engine. I'm an energy bunny. So you have three different characters. If we just tell those stories, then we become our creators within the organization where we build our own fans. And if someone's a fan of somebody, they're going to want to support. And how do they support? They buy our product or follow us on social. So that's the strategy we took. And being on all the time, it's hard, you know, it is who I am. I am an energy guy, right? I literally just came off, like I said, a breakdown. So like, I don't have the full energy and a back injury, so sitting down is not the greatest, but I'm still giving- Do you want to lay? He's like a roller on the back, no. <laughs> but being on caused me to have all that, like never take a moment to step back and say, hey, I gotta process all this stuff. Like I have cameras like this in my home. And when I'm arguing with my fiance about like something in life, like, or we're, we're having a disagreement, right. That's still part of the story, right? Because they might use it, my team might use it for how Jake's performance has been going for the last month. Why is he like the way he is? Oh, because at home he's having problems. So we sign that off day one. And that's something that I think a lot of celebrities do and it causes a lot of stress, anxiety, mm -hmm. um, because you almost lose track of your life a little bit. And I'll never forget my sister, my brother-in-law were most private people in the world, most right. private. Now they're, it's the opposite. Like they yeah. have their therapy sessions filmed, everything. And, some people ask, is it too much? And I, I'd say, yes, sometimes it does cross the line. But yeah. at the end of the day, once you commit to it, it's almost now second nature. I don't notice cameras anymore. I don't act differently around it. It's it's who I am. Yeah. And I know that it could be used in whatever format possible. That being said, my media team will never use something that will harm me as an individual. Right. Um, but yeah, we have 10,000, I think it's no, 52,000 videos on our Google Drive. It's crazy. Of every moment wow. that has happened. Because we want to do a docu-series one day. I so, love that. So yeah, and like like I said, like there's uncomfortable stuff where like you watch and you're like you feel cringe for me, you know, or you feel cringe for the business because um, it's uncomfortable. And, and what motivates you through all of that? The real goal here is like, why has no one in CPG in the last 30, 40 years built a business that has become like a Mondelez or a Hershey's or a Mars or a Nestle, which are great businesses, they're huge and they've done a phenomenal job over a hundred years, but how come there hasn't been a modern company that's come and said, why don't we become the acquirer? Why don't we build a large chocolate company that's global? Why does it have to be in three to five years, we're out, Mondelez buys it, I'm just saying Mondelez, but Mondelez buys the company and then, and then move on. Right. Like, why is there not a lot of entrepreneurs that wanna build for a foundationally large business, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I think Kind did a good job of doing that with yeah. Daniel and then the partnership yeah, with yeah, Mars yeah. was Daniel a great Spray. partnership. And I'm not saying that we never sell the company because, you know, we do have venture money in our company and we do have investors, but yeah. yeah, we have a responsibility. But at the end of the day, that responsibility will be, what can we do to optimize the shareholders value at the highest level? Right. What can we make them the most amount of capital from? But at the end of the day, our vision now is, if we build this business the way we're doing it, then we're showing people that you could do it by being you and not following that standard path of, mm -hmm. oh, here's the typical playbook. It's like, no, why does it have to be rigid? Why does everything in life have to be so society pressured to one way? Why can't you go like this? Yeah. Because that's who you really are. Like when I yeah. was not being myself or when in college and doing coming an actuary, I hated myself. I was like, this is not me. This is not me. I felt like this like uncomfortable tension in my system. Yeah, like, is this it? Yeah, this I'm like this is life, this yeah. is it. Then you have a family, you get married, have a family, you know, that's, that's, it. that's all you breathe. But then when you start doing your own thing, you start taking the little risks and doing it in a different way and not following the herd, you start to feel this freedom, which is, it's powerful, it's real, it's, it's yeah. energizing. You feel like you're on at 24 seven, but it's not actually on, it's who you are. Right, and I know this might predate you a little bit, but you talk about like why is no CPG brand building, you know, so essentially like create an empire, something sustainable and large. And why chocolate? It's $140 billion annually. And I think that you don't have to educate so many people. So like, yes, we have healthier ingredients and it's better for you and it fills you up and all this stuff. But I could tell you it's a chocolate bar and it already puts you in a good mood. You said chocolate before, like you want, you're scared to go near it because you love it so much. So you don't have to educate someone in China, in, in, in Israel, in, 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 right. in Asia, anywhere yeah. in the world, they know what chocolate is. So that's why we chose chocolate because the mask, the saturation of it actually was huge, but we just want to innovate it slightly within it. That way you don't have to, you don't have to spend money on education or don't have to spend money on the marketing to tell me, oh, we're using this ingredient, that ingredient, you know, it's gonna be good for your diabetes. Like that's right. a lot of work, right? Um, so it's not reinventing the whole wheel. It's, it's just taking a big space, a saturated market that has a lot of volume and giving them something fresh within that set. I think it's so interesting, you know, it, it, we've talked to a lot of guests, there's a clear theme um, 
and I'm just putting it together live now, like there with every you know, we have AAPI founders, we have Eva from Maud, we have Matt from Huron, all of these success stories have been about two things. One, finding st stigmatization. So chocolate like being bad for you, things mm -hmm. like that. Sexual wellness being like a weird topic to talk about, skincare, all these things. And also just someone like super authentic claiming and leaning into it. And I think that also happens with like good celebrity partnerships where yes. like they can identify with it. And so I sort of want to switch over to you, Mackenzie. I think there's a really wide distribution curve as there is for anything in yeah. the context of talent. And so you sort of sit in, you traverse sort of like two roles in my opinion where there's like a pure play finance part. Like this is banking, this is deals, this is venture. Yeah. Um, but there's also probably some responsibility that you guys feel for both the founders and the talent to make those pairings like correct. And yes. I think I think there's probably some celebrities who are like, cool, money grab, like whatever, like give me some equity, I'll post. And there's some that like actually get on distributor calls and like, hey, actually we're leapfrogging D to C because this celebrity just got on this call with all these distributors and like that's really exciting to them and they're all inspired. So I think I wanna talk a little bit about like what makes good partnerships, what are you looking for? How do these deals come together? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head by the way. Um, so I think there needs to be alignment in like three main ways. I would say the first is there has to be mission alignment. Again, like, you know, obviously the founder, if, if you're pairing, the celebrity with an existing brand because sometimes we help celebrities launch their own. But if it's an existing brand, the founder and the celebrity have to see the see the mission and the trajectory of the brand sort of, you know, in a similar way right. and really be passionate about what they're doing. The second is personality alignment. Like they have to get along. These have to be two people that want to spend time together, that want to go to the distribution partner together, you know, and work together as true partners. And third, you know, there has to be economic alignment. So, you know, we, we structure these deals so that it, it's not just a money grab. This is more than something that is transactional. And the celebrity partner is motivated to be there for the long term. Ultimately, what they put in is what they get out. And they want to be doing it because they enjoyed the person and they love the mission. And lastly, I would say, you know, the brand has to be able to stand on its own two feet. Yeah. Like you can't just plug a celebrity into a right. product and expect that it will take off. You have to have a really good good product with true demand and product market fit. Otherwise, attaching the most passionate celebrity in the world with the best structure, it, it won't work. Yeah, and I, um, you know, I think a lot. I'm, I have a, a follow-up question, but I think a lot of them probably come together very organically, or at yeah. least the ones that seem to have that staying power. Yeah. Um, but how long is that like courtship process, and like how does that even work for a brand? Yeah. So you know, it can happen in two different ways. So I've I've structured deals before where the client will come to us and say, "I love this product. I've been a fan for a while. You know, I know you guys work with early stage consumer, or whatever it might be. Do you know them? Like, right. can we make an introduction?" And then it's a shorter quote courtship. You know, it's kind of flipped onto the talent to t to convince the founder. You know what? they are a worthy partner and why right. they should work together. If you're going the route whereby you are a brand and you've decided that you are at this, this stage or inflection point whereby a celebrity is important and you want to work with someone, the courtship process can be pretty long. And we always right. say, like, we're not in the business of selling these partnerships. It's not worth anyone's time if it's like not the perfect partner. So, you know, we work really, really closely with our roster and our agents to understand what are the career goals of each individual celebrity on our roster? You know, what are the brands that we are working with? And how, what do we think are different personality matches? And again, you know, you know value alignment matches. We almost play matchmaker. <laughs> um, and then, like you know, there's almost like a first date that, right. that will happen. And we've had plenty of these, quote, first dates where each party walks away and says, this, this is not the one, and that's totally fine. Um, and other times, they head it off, the meeting's supposed to be 30 minutes, and instead it's two hours, you know, and that's when you know, you know, this is something that really clicked. Yeah. Jake, during the early days of Midday Squares, it was a, a digitally native brand, and you look at the brand today, you guys are in thousands of doors, and I'm sure from a revenue perspective, the, the lion's share of it is retail. And I think it's really interesting, right, like, I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective on the transition and sort of reinventing the company to support retail, especially in a context where a lot of the things that make midday squares midday squares are not obvious on shelf. 
Yeah, I think we, when we started, we we weren't we weren't even like a we weren't even a brand. Like think about it. when we, we started, we were literally three of us in a condo kitchen. You know, no one knew us. We none of us had any followings on social media. Like we just had friends and family that like that liked the product. So when we started, we were like, how can we get people to try? And what we did is we said, why don't we just post content, get people interested, and then give them an idea to get a sample. So what we did is we put a 25 cent sample on our website. All you do is put your credit card down, buy 25 cents, and you got this chocolate bar that was actually priced at 3.99 at the time. And then we'd go hand deliver them. So you'd get this experience where you'd buy the product in Montreal, a random person would see it on social media, they'd buy it, then we'd hand deliver them one bar for all 25 cents. And we realized, wow, that was actually working. We started getting people talking. They would be like, oh, wow, this company's showing breakdowns and milestones and energy. And then they're right. hand delivering product. And then they're, it's so humanized. It's such a cool little family business. And the word started spreading in, in where we live in Montreal. And long story short, the 25 cent sample then went to 50 cents, then went to a dollar because we couldn't afford it. You're losing a ton of money on a 25 cent sample. And I'll never forget, we got our first retailer a month and a half in. And it was a bagel shop, and we started to see that actual success. Like they used to selling volume to that bagel shop. It was like literally a famous Montreal bagel shop, and he was moving like 200 units a week, Damn. which is like crazy for a bar company, yeah, right? Yeah. And we then continued with D2C. We focused a lot of our attention originally on D2C for the first year. It was about 75% D2C. Then as it switched, we start to realize that the volume of the business actually comes from retail. They put in orders, POs, that if you get a retailer that has 50 plus stores, they're putting in massive POs. Totally. So because we have a manufacturing plant, we needed that volume. And to go spend on influencers and creators and celebrities right off the bat and just focus on D2C push, it wasn't going to make sense because at the end of the day, shipping refrigerated chocolate is very difficult, totally. it's very hard, and when, when COVID was coming towards its end, we realized we're gonna, play the, we're gonna play the retail game, we're gonna become the best retailers because the idea of retail is it's been around for hundreds of years. Right. It, if you figure out how to do well in CPG retail, you are unstoppable because it is a whole different ball game. It's completely opposite than shipping product via your own factory to an end consumer. Retail has, you have distributors, you have brokers, you have third parties involved before it gets to the store, and then you have to merchandise the product. So there's right. so much work. It's almost like a separate company that has to deal with it. And how we built our sales team was not typical CPG. We hired engineers to just data science, literally go through the data, understand where the proper merchandising is best, because again, in the refrigerator, it's not the typical spot. And that's all they're doing is they're saying, how can we get secondary placements? Who, which managers are easy to work with, and it's just a rinse and repeat model. So now our sales are flying, right. but we took a different approach to retail. We yeah. don't take the, oh, let's just hire a VP of sales at $300,000 a year right. and have a broker you know, introduce us to a retailer and then just put the product there. No, it's a whole different reverse engineer on how we're doing it, and I think that now we're about 75%, 25% business, 75% retail, but eventually by the end of this year, I think we'll be even 85, 15. Yeah, wow. and, and talk about yeah. some of those you know, I think something you do really great, and it it's it's how you've you've always had your roots in this. But talk about like partners and the importance of shelf space, and like it's a it's a two pronged question, right? Because you, what you've done really well is you've taken all the things that helped you in the early days of like energizing and getting people excited about the brand, and that probably started and it helped sales in the beginning. But now it's helping your partnerships at the retail level, and I, I'm gonna make sure Stuart gets a oh. quick cross-section here, but I'd love to hear you speak on that. So, remember when I said I was a delivery boy? So I used to literally act like a distributor. I'd go in, meet the buyers, meet the managers, meet the cashiers, meet the store clerks, and I'd become friends with them. So every time I came in, it was exciting. I'd come dancing, come with a, a videographer. We'd literally bring a boombox sometimes. It built a very intimate friendship. Right. So when you have a friendship with somebody, Typically, they'll want to do things for you in the sense of just genuineness, not because there's a reason, not because there's an agenda. So that model was working at mini scale in Montreal when I did it at the beginning. Yeah. As, I grew, as we grew as a company, we scaled into New York and California, Texas, Florida, all over the place. I couldn't be everywhere 24-7. I couldn't right. deliver product. But what I did was, how can I build a genuine relationship or friendship with these people that work as managers, as store clerks, or as buyers at the head office? And... How will that help Midday Squares? And what that did was it actually built this, 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 this real relationship where it became not just about the transaction, like you had with your partners and the celebrities and the brands together. It became about, do I like to be with this person? Do I like yeah. to hang out with them? And guess what? I would go to, I'd fly over to Florida to go see a retailer and I'd hang out with them for the weekend. Right. Didn't talk about business. But when we needed something, 
they were answering the phones. Totally. So I think that the model is very simple. Build friends first, then do business. Stuart, that you brought up, is this famous guy in Montreal. He must be 65, 70 years old. I don't know. I hope he doesn't listen to this. I don't know if that's his age. But <laughs> we built a relationship on dancing. We would literally, I would literally go visit him at a store. He was a, he was a store clerk. Can't wait to put clerk. this cut Yeah, you got to put the cuts together. <laughs> he was a store clerk, and he would fill the shelves. And we'd go hang out and I'd make videos with him, fun videos, just for fun, like, because he was such an entertainer. And I'd show him, I'd be like, this guy is a, literally a celebrity. He could be a celebrity, he could have his own show. And we'd show him and then people would love this guy. I want to see more Stuart, more Stuart, more Stuart. And every time I'd go in once a week, we'd dance. We'd sometimes take our shirts off. I'd push him in a cart. We'd go on top of the fridges. And next thing you know, hundreds of thousands of views later, people now go to the store, they go to give him a hug, they go to hang out with him, and yeah, he yeah, now yeah. takes care of our account. Right. He mm. buys for us. He's never done buying before in his life, but because of that relationship, it's created him to have a, a, a different role in the right. company. Yeah. And every single time, he's like, are we, doing, are we going on TV? Are we going on TV? And I'm like, dude, it's not TV, it's social media. <laughs> right. um, but that makes a difference in retail. I think people skip over the value of building relationships and planting them not, yeah. and actually watering them, not just, okay, hey, I'm gonna build a friendship. Once we get in, it's done. Totally. It's like, no, we're friends. You talk to your friends often. You, yeah. you, you don't just talk to them about what you need. You talk to them about life. You talk to them about anything but, oh, I want 10 fridges or I wanna be on this sale. It's like, okay, we'll get to that. Fuck that, that's later. Yeah. So yeah. that model works, it just takes longer. Yeah. Yeah, I think good that's point. such good advice, especially for anyone in the CPG industry. Like those people, you know, you, you can't scale yourself to a thousand doors. And so you're gonna eventually have to rely on these people. Like, are they gonna be facing up your product? Are they gonna merchandise it? If someone asks them a question like, does this do well? Or like, is this interesting? Like those need to become your advocates. So I, I think you're absolutely right. And on the topic of um, make friends first, do business second, I, I couldn't agree more. Like if you if you talk to anyone on my team, and even when I we did the fundraising PR thing, the first thing I said was it's important to have mantras, and ours is always we sell trust, not media. And like media like is like very secondary, secondary to what we do. Like every sales call usually has like five intros that are being written. The people that there's no affiliate, it's just like I think this would be helpful. I think this would be helpful. So I really like what you're saying about that. Um, but it works not just for retail. It works for everything. Every every part of business. Investors, journalists. It's authenticity, yeah. I think, is what exactly. it is. Exactly. Build fans. Like, like why are everyone so focused on selling? Stop selling. Focus right. on what made humans like each other. What what has brought us this community together? Think back to like evolution. And I promise you, if you apply those things, your business will grow. It's just, you, have to, you always have to have a good product, but right. other than that, like that will help grow. Yeah. So on the topic of good products, uh, Mackenzie, <laughs> I was at um, the Lunar Solar Group's office a couple weeks ago, and Drew from Celebrity Package Goods and Lunar Solar Group co-collaborated on a really cool panel um, around celebrity package goods. Yeah. And the sort of the intersection of celebrity talent and brand. And so it was Nick Sharma, Sharif Hamida, who I know is on your team, yeah. Maggie Sellers, who's awesome. And you got a lot of plugs. I, I, I know you weren't, uh, I think you weren't there that week. <laughs> well, she's week. a star, come on. Yeah. Like, the, she Thanks deserves guys. the plug. But, um, Just building friends. <laughs> I'd love to, you know, they talked a lot about the Can You Forex and Bell Hadid partnership. I'd love to sort of just hear that from your perspective because I know yeah. you're an integral part of making that a reality. Yeah, um, thanks. And it is a great product. And so you started it. So great product. Uh, that one was, it was unique and it continues to be unique. So, Rewind, probably like two, two and a half years ago, we had sat down with Bella to talk about, you know, what are your career goals? What, what do you want to do next outside of, you know, being the biggest model probably in the world? And, you know, she said, I, I am really entrepreneurial. I like to be a part of businesses. And then she got up from the zoo, we were on a Zoom, and she got up and she's like, I have this beverage in my fridge. I don't know really where it came from, but I'm obsessed with it. Do you know the brand? And it was Kinney Forex. And she like cracks it open. She said, it helps me like live day to day. You know, it's something that I really stand by. So um, we left that meeting and we made our way to Jen Bachelor. And we said, you know, this is kind of the, the way that we make partnerships that I had discussed Previously, right. whereby you know talent comes to us with a product that they love. So we went to Jen. We said, you know, have you heard of Bella Hadid? Might there be ways to work together? And she's like, you know, let's meet. Let's like see. Do we see eye to eye? And from there, it was just like a 
an amazing friendship, partnership, work relationship, um, and they truly like more than see eye to eye. They are partners in that business. Bella has a hand in you know basically every decision that they make, and you know every next phase of growth and every product that comes out. And Bella is called a co-founder. And even though Kin existed before she was part of that brand, you know right. Jen was. Jen was really clear that I want Bella to feel like she is part of this brand and we are almost relaunching with her and that's you know what they have done and what they continue to do and it's been really really fun to watch. Yeah. Speaking of retail, they've you know just moved into retail and are yeah. crushing a lot of those accounts which is great. And so from where you're sitting, how like the transaction is now done, right? They've yeah. been working together for a while. Do you guys stay involved as as a support, are you like a liaison? Like now they're partners, right? So to what extent do you stay remain involved uh, in those sort of arrangements? Yeah, so we, we definitely stay involved. So Endeavor is like this really large ecosystem. Um, so there are different ways that we can leverage that ecosystem to promote and, you know, kin in different ways. So for example, at the Super Bowl, we have this like big lounge and kin will always be there. If there's a party, we are ensuring that kin is there as well. Um, we are, you know, oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. We are just like sitting in at board meetings and paying attention. And even though we don't need to liaise day to day and like set meetings for them, um, we definitely remain active partners in that business. Still give opportunities like yeah, wherever you could film, plot, exactly. which is which is cool. The ecosystem is being used. Right? Yeah, and we we do that for all of our brands, not not only Kin. I think Endeavor people don't realize beyond being the agencies we own UFC, which is tremendous. Oh, do you? I didn't yeah. know that. That's one of my favorite leagues. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So it's performance. It's theater. It's, yeah, it's, it, it it's, is it's so completely. fun. It's, it's so fun. Yeah, it's it's an it's an amazing thing. Um, we also have New York Fashion Week, so there are times where like, you can like plug Kin in there. We you gotta get Jake on there. Yeah, get me. I'm gonna do see my my friend's fighting Conor McGregor next. I'm like, <laughs> Mike Chandler. We're gonna put the plug into him. No, Let's I'm, go I'm in Fashion Week, dude. We're working on the back still. Okay, we're yeah. gonna need a Fashion Week. I can't first. scrap right then, now. Then I, we'll I, get I, you I back to UFC. I used to try us to, to. I wanted to. I think Dana White would like me. They swear. Yeah, I think so too. He loves the. I think he liked the energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah me that's too. True. You guys, I come yeah. out. Energy. Over seven thousand customers like Pet Lab. Chamberlain Coffee, Hero Cosmetics, Spike Ball, Dossier, TB12, Pit Viper, 100 Thieves. Tens of millions of packages shipped every year. 50 plus fulfillment centers across the US, Canada, UK, Europe, and Australia. An app store with 50 plus integrations like Shopify, Amazon, NetSuite, and many more. Managed inventory distribution, D2C and B2B fulfillment capabilities. 99.96% of order shipping on time. 99.95% order accuracy rate. Yep, we're talking about ShipBob again. We know picking a fulfillment partner or 3PL is not easy. And equally importantly, we know you never want to have to move or pick another one. That's why we partnered with ShipBob. From zero to 100 million in sales, ShipBob has you covered. So um, stop three on our route today is uh, some intersectionality questions. And so things that I thought you guys might have unique, unique takes on or, or one question that's meant for the both of you. And so the first thing I want to talk about was just the power of community in, in, in Jake, your brand, and the brands that you work with, Mac. Um, because I think community is so powerful. And I think the reason it is, is you know, I, I run a media company. And I think community is what is the hallmark of truly sustainable brands. Because even as media owner, like, it's volatile. The wind is going to blow. You know, you'll have iOS 14.5 hit. And then, it, uh, you know, TikTok will explode. And then it, maybe it gets banned. Who knows what happens. But... That's why I think community is so important. It, it gives you time to figure it out. Um, and so having that community, you have that built-in like audience of people you can activate while you try to figure out which way the wind's blowing. So I'd really just love to talk about um, how integral community has been. Um, Jake with Midday Squares and Mac with, you know, as you think of, you know, these celebrities and the partnerships, all of this makes sense because they have communities. Yeah, I think community is everything. I think after product community is the most important thing. Um, it's your story. It's the it's how you make people feel. It's what they care to you know look around. Otherwise, we're just a commodity. We're a chocolate bar. You know, there there's thousands of brands across the world that are chocolate bars, mm -hmm. and some of them are delicious, by the way. And I'm a big fan of a lot of these these products. But the brands don't have communities, so I don't really see them. I don't I don't feel anything from them. You know, 
like I, I brought Nike before. Nike had built a community on motivation, on on this energy of like, I feel like I want to go work out from it, right? That's hard work of time, effort, energy, storytelling that has been put into the brand. Right. So for CPG, I felt like over the last six, six, seven years, we've seen a lot more brands focus on the community. Still need a lot more focus on it, but it makes a difference. When I put a product at Whole Foods or I put it at Target, we sell, yes, because placement's good and because the product has product market fit, but then they, our community goes and gets it. They're excited. They want to support. They want to empty the shelves. They want to skew the data, as according to my buddy named Max Chewing, who has a brand called Sour Strips. He always says, community's everything. That's why a lot of creators or YouTubers or celebrities totally. can launch brands because they've built fans that love them, love what they stand for, love what they've built, and then they want to support. So that's where also good product has to come in after that. But I think at the end of the day, for us, we said we had no, we weren't a celebrity. We weren't, we had no fans mm -hmm. or anything like that at the beginning. So we needed to build that from scratch. Right. And how we did it was just be authentic. And authenticity is something that this world is lacking, unfortunately, where when you are with people that are authentic and real and not, you know, being somebody else, you actually feel closer to them. You feel like this, there's a sense of trust and relatability. So we focus that with our customer base. And I think that I don't even like to call it a customer base. I like to call it a fan base. And what I think is unique is we have 350,000 followers across, across all our social media following. We don't have millions, but right. that 350,000 are diehard people. Right. They go there, they buy the product, they talk about it with their family, they share it, and they became our soldiers on the ground, our sales advocates. And that's why our velocities are so high in stores like Target, where we're, our peanut butter is the number one skew in the entire set for the last 24 weeks, is because our, our army's marching there. We're not investing crazy on marketing. We're investing in our story, our organic story and how we tell it. We're not pushing many influencers. We're not pushing that. We're pushing a story that gives this community a sense of, you know, being part of, feeling as if it's 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 in their journey as well. Right. When we go through moments of hardship and like, you know, breakdowns and that, those stuff, that's real shit that we all go through as humans. Yeah. We all go through those hard moments. So when you see a brand telling that story, you're like, "Wow, I feel closer. I feel like a friend." Right. And I think if you don't have community today, you're in trouble. Like your brand is, you could be doing $100 million, but your brand will have trouble succeeding because people will slowly veer off to brands that have that community, that sense of community with them. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? I, I totally agree. Community is everything. And I think when you're partnering a celebrity with an existing brand, there already is that community. And you need to be identifying someone that the community will look to and respect and feel like this is someone who belongs in that community. Yep. You're not gonna you know, put someone at the top that really doesn't fit in. And then right. I think you also have to look at what is the natural community that already follows this celebrity and does it make sense for our brand? You know, if there is, you know, a model that you're looking at, we want to make sure that her following is resonating, you know, with the product and it's not just a bunch of men that might be following her for different reasons. You know, we have to look at what is the breakdown of her demographic? Does that does that community resonate with the existing product? And right. you know, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And Your we Venn have to diagram. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's this art, no? Yeah. It's like an art to mix it. Exactly. Match. So it's just making sure that like the brand's community aligns with the celebrity, the celebrity's community aligns with the brand, and then both of those communities also mesh. Yeah. I think we want to work with a celebrity um, in a way where it's it's a celebrity that's just bold and authentic yeah. and like it doesn't matter for us it wouldn't matter if like they're foodies or this that like for us it's like is this person just like unapologetically themselves yeah because then totally. we align on a core value right exactly. so it's like that authenticity can spread like wildfire and like we're looking for that like we trying to figure it out because we haven't had a celebrity and you know we haven't worked with celebrities yet but we're trying as my partners and i discussed we want to actually marry that because we don't want it to be a face of a brand, but we want it to be like, hey, like, we love you, we love your energy, and we want that energy within the organization. Within, yeah, it fits within us. Yeah. And I, I think it's important that you said, like, we haven't found it yet. You don't need to rush into it. Like, it's so important that you find someone that really has that energy that you're looking it's for. It's like dating. Yeah, like same thing. back to yeah. it's dating. Like there's no need to rush. You will, you know, you can find someone, and them having that energy is so important because what you guys have built already, like, has its own identity, and yep. it needs to. You need to ensure that that identity is similar to that of the person you're and protecting on. both identities, like right, the celebrities exactly. and ours. Like you know, like I think some some deals, and maybe not you guys haven't done, but some deals you see are just they don't make sense. Like, right. and it ends up not working because. 
they don't actually agree on a lot of things, right? So like, and, and this is, I've seen like some like, I'm not talking high A level, but like I'm talking like some like big YouTubers or stuff like that. They, they partner and then guess what? They slowly just veer off. Yeah. And you realize that they just didn't have the core values, the same core values. Yeah. yeah. What's also interesting that we've seen is sometimes there is a, a, a brand that has a certain community and they want to tap into a new community. And then you're using a celebrity to do that. You actually look for someone that has a oh, very different yeah, community. Yeah, back to the Venn diagram. It's yeah, like exactly. the other part of it. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, we've struggled to tap into this. So how do we oh, use so someone? Interesting. How can you such, help us do that? Exactly. Yeah. So like, let, let's marry the two. Kind of I think that's a, a powerful family. partnership too. Yeah, it, it is. It opens more markets. Exactly. Right. That's exactly opens right. opens a TAM. Yep. All right, well, when you need a celebrity, um, well, I'll like be calling McKenzie on her. Yeah, she's she's getting calls now. She, it's like, hey, I want that. It's like, hey, can we do this now? It's like, hey, let us know. Keep us on the radar. <laughs> no broker fees. Yeah, no broker fees. Just straight to the point. What do you think about the intersection of psychology and business? I think it's important. I think, I think first of all, from, a, from an actual psychology standpoint, running a business is extremely difficult. So if your operators aren't fully all there and equipped with tools to help them get through these like you know crazy hardships, these moments that are really difficult, it's a pressure cooker. Running a CPG, and I'm giving only CPG as the example because I'm in that, but CPG is extremely difficult. And if you're not if you're not equipped with the right people in your corner and the right tools to actually get you through, you're in trouble. Like, I'm telling you, like, without my therapist um, that we have for our teammates to use as well, it's it's hard. You know, there's moments where you want to throw in the towel. There's moments you want to give up. You feel deep loneliness, deep sadness. When you're trying to build something that's not been existent before or hasn't been done before, you are seen as crazy or you're judged. You know, I had some of my best friends who are very successful professionals in this world judge. And at the beginning, they're like, you're running a chocolate company? Like, what's with you? Like, why are you doing that? Like, why waste your time? And they're not doing it from a bad heart. They were doing it because they couldn't see it. They couldn't see past the trees. They couldn't see past what I was seeing. Right. And I think mm -hmm. that, like, understanding that and psychology helped me not be angry at them, not be mad. But understand that they just, they're not in that chapter. And it's not who's better, who's worse. It's not about that. It's that we're just in different parts of life and that's okay. Yeah. And I still love them. So that's where psychology really comes in is it, it actually prevented me and it gave me a different perspective on life. It gave my partners a different perspective on life on how to treat people, how to be more empathetic. So when it comes to partnerships, you're not just going to go around from an ego standpoint, you're going to have psychology. And when it comes to finance, yeah, those are tough negotiations and you need to be strong mentally. You need to have people in your corner to understand how to get there because you, you sign a deal that has a bad contract in it, you could, lose your, you could lose your job as one of the founders, you could be kicked out of your company. So I think psychology as a whole, I look at psychology more as therapy rather than just, you know, like tools on like how to how to you know negotiate or something like that from a mind game standpoint like we yeah. were discussing i think it's more like let's equip people with better mental health resources today and be more normalized on that topic because i get it it's expensive and it's a privilege to have but we need to make it either more subsidized or we need to help businesses help get it for all their teammates and their partnerships yeah, yeah. i think you know from to t look at it from like a shallower level because i, I agree with all that and you know can't really say more than what you have said but in terms of like consumer psychology, we spend a lot of time thinking about how do we, how are we ensuring that something comes off as authentic and believable and therefore has the impact on demand from a consumer perspective when it comes to a partnership? Like, you know, we don't want a consumer to look at a partnership and think this was made, made in a boardroom or made in like right, a lab for right. lack of a better term because that doesn't really have the wow factor. Right. And then you also think a lot about consumer psychology and how much are celebrities actually influencing culture and the, the actual individual. Um, and how do we ensure that is maintained and optimized because that ultimately will help the brand that the celebrity is working with. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's that's fascinating. And, and so I want to wrap up um, stop three here with a, a question for you guys. Jake, you mentioned that you see the CPG world as becoming more celebrity packaged goods than consumer packaged goods. And I'm curious to s you know where both of you, I think, see this industry moving. Is it is it like a boom bust? Like, it, will there be contraction? I think it will always exist. Is it a means to an end? Is it here to stay? Um, is it too complicated to make a, a broad sweeping statement? And um, yeah, I'd just love to hear your, your thoughts on the future. And do you mean from like a celebrity partnership perspective? Celebrity and creator-led yeah. brands as a yeah. movement. Yeah, so I think, you know, 
rewind 20 years ago, social media didn't exist. Like, social media exists, it is here to stay, and because of that, celebrities create and influence culture at their fingertips all day, every day. You know, we as consumers follow them constantly. The amount of time spent on these platforms, whether it be the same platforms now or in the future, I think will remain insane. Because of that, celebrities will just you know, perpetually have influence and therefore, you know, have the ability to drive and optimize and build brands. So, yeah, I think it's here to stay. Yeah, I think I think celebrities have an audience, they have community, and brands need a lot of time to access communities, so I think it's extremely important. But I think that you're going to see a balance. I think is the, if the partnership isn't authentic, mm -hmm. it won't last. If it's authentic and it's meant to be, like you, the, the partnerships you were discussing earlier, those are real ones that are working. Yeah. They're working because they married two values. They married two. They were aligned on what they wanted to do, and that's why right. it's having success. I think there's some celebrity partnerships that I've seen. They've come in, and it was a nice little push forward. But then after that, it started to fade, and you don't hear totally. about it anymore. And that's just because it wasn't aligned, right? Yeah. So I think you need a mix of both. I think you need operators with celebrities or celebrities being operators right. if they want to. You know, not yeah. all the time they don't want it. They have a whole life to run. Being a celebrity is not an easy lifestyle. Yeah, no. busiest people. Yeah, and yeah. from a psychology standpoint, it's hard mentally, it's totally. hard physically. Yep. You, you know, everyone wants something from you. But sometimes when you partner that and marry it with great operators that even too want to be creators as well, it could work. Mm -hmm. It just, it needs to be like, it's a puzzle. It needs to be put in a proper puzzle. Exactly. You need people like Endeavor, to, the, the talent ventures team to figure out where that fit is. Yeah. That lays on. Yeah. I think you're giving me the plug. Yeah, give him the plug. It's authentic plugging, by the way. This great. is no joke. That was great. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> we sold $6 million our first year and did $80 million in sales last year. That's what the COO of Adventure Challenge, a longtime customer of ShipHob's, shared with ShipHob the other day. The pace of growth for Adventure Challenge has been insane, but it wasn't all positive. It started with a failed crowdfunding project. Then, investors assured them that their business would fail. They raised $0 in outside capital. And it somehow only took a few years to hit $80 million in sales. They started off fulfilling all orders themselves. They'd have U-Hauls packed with thousands of products, making endless trips from their storage unit to the post office. It was not scalable. It was definitely hurting their growth. It definitely wasn't fun. That's when ShipOb started their partnership with Adventure Challenge. By being able to focus on growing the business and product development, sales took off like a rocket ship. While Adventure Challenge initially focused on D2C sales, their popularity started driving other conversations. They started to stock several hundred smaller boutiques across the country, then Francesca's, then Kohl's. And while they're based in California and most of their customers are in the U.S., the word of mouth and viral videos on TikTok and Instagram started driving demand around the world. So then they started filling orders out of Canada, and then the UK, and now Australia. From a failed Kickstarter and getting $0 in outside investment on day one to over $80 million in revenue, Adventure Challenge has defied the odds and built a global powerhouse brand alongside their partnership with ShipOb, who's there to help you completely unlock your brand's growth. Read the entire story at shipob.com forward slash adventure dash challenge. All right, guys. Well, fourth stop on our route. Uh, it's a segment we call the hot box. So obviously we're in a box. Um, it's modeled off sort of like the hot seat, which is um, uh, it's going to be a this or that question game. So I'm going to say A or B. And Mackenzie, I'll have you answer first. Jake, I'll have you answer second. Great. And the goal is you don't think too much about it. You say it as quick as you can the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. How aligned okay. do you think we're going to be? Oof. Like, let's say 100% was all right. Like, what do you think? I'm going... I think we're 63% alignment. 60, yes. I think, I think I, 75, I think, 80. Same, I was going to say yeah. higher I, than well, you expect. This isn't fair because you get to listen first. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Fine, yeah, 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 I promise it won't be biased. Right, I promise. His therapist has done enough yeah. work that he will answer yeah. authentically. You've got to have your own character. You can't, <laughs> you can't, right. you can't pressure. You can't feel the pressure. All right, you ready, guys? Go. Cold plunge or hot tub? Cold plunge. Cold plunge. Wow, psychos. Beach house or ski house? Ski house. Ski house. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. Sunrise or sunset? Rise. Rise, yeah, as well. D2C or DTC? DTC. What's D2C? It's just how you decide to talk about it or spell it. DTC. Neat or messy? Messy. I'm messy. Corgi or golden retriever? Golden. Corgi. There's our first error. <laughs> Winter <laughs> or summer? Summer. Summertime. Tennis or golf? Tennis. Tennis. Pineapple pizza or candy corn? 
Not either. Do it. Yeah, yeah do I don't it. like you neither. You don't get a What's choice. What's candy corn? It's like the <laughs> Halloween, like the three, <laughs> the three colors. It's uh, yeah, honestly, they're both not. <laughs> the the great Canadian idea. accent. Yeah. Candy corn. Right. The fact that we both said neither is hot. Like live, that's cool. Live music or DJ? I'm DJ. Live music. Live in space or live underwater? Space. Space, yeah. Fight one horse-sized duck or a thousand duck-sized horses? One horse-sized One, size yeah. Duck. <laughs> Sweet Can't snack. start at everybody. <laughs> Sweet snacks or salty snacks? Sweet. Sweet. Call, text, or audio notes? Audio text. notes. Reading or writing? Reading. Reading. Work remote or work on site? On site. On site. Do laundry or do the dishes? Laundry. Dishes. Twitter, <laughs> LinkedIn, Instagram, or TikTok? Instagram. LinkedIn. Dancing or people watching? Dancing. Dancing. No, that's not even a question. <laughs> like, Cocktails or beers? Cocktails. Cocktails. Uh, would you rather feel too hot or too cold? Too hot. Yeah, hot. Not yeah, I feel right that, now. Like, right now. Right now. Right now. <laughs> my, my, my toes are cold. Everything's cold right now. You get one animal to protect you against a horde of zombies, gorilla or grizzly bear? Gorilla. Gorilla. They're way so, stronger. So smart. Yeah, they're like, yeah, they're like more human. Yeah. They're more human. Give up bread for life or cheese for life? Cheese. Cheese, yeah. Air guitar or air drums? Guitar. Yeah, guitar. Board games or video games? Board games. Board. Fifty dollars on red or black? Red. Black. Start early or leave late? Start early for me. Start early. Fiction or nonfiction? Nonfiction. Non where are you traveling next? Europe or Asia? Or where do you want to travel next? Europe. Africa. Okay. That was not one of the answers. But <laughs> she, we'll other. she chose other. But you other. said next. You rich, said next. Yeah. So. That's fair. She chose other. <laughs> rich and famous or rich and anonymous? Rich and rich anonymous. And there you go. Playlists or podcasts? Podcasts. Podcasts, yeah. Cardio or weights? Weights. Weights. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Pancakes. Speak to animals or speak 10 languages? Speak to animals. 10 languages. Netflix That's or YouTube? Netflix. Netflix. Telepathy or teleportation? Teleportation. Teleportation, yeah. Trucks or billboards? Trucks. Trucks. Thank you. No shit, sure. Receive good news or bad news first? Bad, bad news. news. All right, well, the bad news is we're at our final stop. Guys, that was thank like you. 95%. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you guys were not even that close. What? what? Was, I'm, I'm going to, we'll check the tape. I think Are you we're kidding? around 63 I, I was the actuary. I know the math. That's true. All right. <laughs> that was at least, we maybe did four we'll, different we'll, ones. We'll review the tape. Yeah, How many yeah, I want 20? to. I don't know. It's probably like 30. Okay, so 26 on 30 is high. Thank all right, all right. We'll, we'll see about that. I mean, she, animals, languages, we, right, we'll get back to it. But guys, <laughs> this was a really good discussion. I'm so glad that I, the two of you were together. I, yeah, I thought great. that was like such a, an, an incredible pairing. So thanks for sharing your perspective and insight. want to give you guys in, in the audience, people listening, a chance to um, hear where they can f learn more, follow up with you, things like that. So yeah, Mackenzie, can sure. we start with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you want to learn more, hear more, Honestly, hit me on LinkedIn, Mackenzie Connolly, C-O-N-N-O-L-L-Y. Um, I'm super active in my messages, and you know we can chat further there. Cool. I just added you. Great. Last night, I think. Last night. I, uh, okay. Double check. Um, add me on LinkedIn too, Jake Carls. I'm super active on messaging, unless you're spamming me with something, because like I just I find that not hot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we use hot in Canada as a, as a general term, but. Um, yeah, follow on LinkedIn and follow Midday Squares on, on TikTok and Instagram. It's a lot of fun and you'll see like a reality show style stuff. And where can people find Midday Squares? In the refrigerated section, Target, Whole Foods, Sprouts, um, Wegmans, um, soon to be a lot more retailers. We have some exciting ones coming, but we'll go to those ones for now. It's actually amazing. Cool. So yeah. um, She's not bullshitting. I'm not. It's so good. Why don't I'm we ready go for mine. check out some of those places? <laughs>